That was gold. That was absolute gold. We haven't seen a lot of skip it accidents, but we've seen a lot of moms come in with hoverboard accidents. Studies need to be done. Blah, 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 blah. Hello and welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAPS Loop podcast. My name is Larry Burden and I'd like to reintroduce the TCAPS Loop cabinet. Our Prime Minister of Power School, Danielle Brostrom, the Secretary of Digital Literacy, <laughs> Steffi Light, and missing because he is our own special agent of chaos, the technologist David Noller, <laughs> displaying his level of chaoticness because he's not here. But before we convene the committee, I feel like it's my solemn duty to share this week's TCAPS Loop Moment of Zen. It is our attitude at the beginning of a difficult task, which more than anything else will affect its successful outcome. William James. And with that, I'd like to invite Steffi to open this TCAPS Loop session by singing our annual musical tribute to early 80s video game theme music. Take it away, Steffi. Okay, that was the best. I was expecting crickets, and you actually pulled it off. This is the best show ever. And now, on to our agenda. This is what I had or what I was thinking about, but I'm more than willing to kind of... uh pivot to where you guys want to go. What I had was, what were your takeaways from last year? A wired recap. Um, what you're excited about this year? What are some ed tech gaps that you're hoping to fill this year? Because there's always something that, okay, I need to, this is this is something that we need to improve on. Let's, let's go attack that. And this one we're not going to have because it was the other various derailing tangents that David was going to take us on. Those aren't going to be around. So this should be a very smooth podcast. <laughs> So sorry, sorry, David, for not, uh, not being here to do that, though you have done it because what I was planning on, we're not able to do, which is you derailing the podcast. <laughs> With that being said, what were your takeaways from last year, guys? Well, Larry, first of all, I feel like you should oh, say, oh, David. There he is. I got pulled into a meeting. The true agent of chaos pops in right, right when we're getting ready to go. That was perfect timing. I had just basically said that you were um, displaying your properties as an agent of chaos by not being here. So you've actually trumped me by then showing up right after I said that. We certainly appreciate you. Sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So back on the agenda is the other various derailing tangents that David will happily take us down. Say what now? What was that? <laughs> exactly. Um, so the agenda, as we were, yes. as I was just stating, was uh, what were your takeaways from last year? A wired uh, recap. What are you excited about this year? And what are some gaps? Well, what are some ed tech gaps that you're hoping to maybe fill? What are some things that you're targeting on improving this year? Sure. So the the first thing that, of course, we're all focused on in terms of improving uh, and and that gap that exists. Uh, is is the bright space skills at the secondary level, and I think before we can do that, I think it's a bright space relationship that we ha kind of have to repair a little bit in terms of getting people to trust uh, trust the tool and trust the um, the system that it's going to work the way it's going to work, and that it's okay to make mistakes along the way. 
so so for me that's that's one of the big priorities and and my focus is being meeting people where they're at and taking them from there to the next step and just this it's the same in my class i've got kids who need to go from making a response of two sentences to five and i've got those that start at five and want to work to ten uh, in terms of making some sort of comment about a particular question so we're trying to meet people where they're at and and move them up the levels i think we've got a good plan for how to do that week by week and month by month and we've got some incentives built in there to to maybe inspire them to to get there quicker and it's good that we have a number of building experts out there that can help so i have a question today who can i talk to about getting help with and in this case it was a, a power school issue go talk to matt grisinger he knows all about that um and that's somebody that the person works with on a day-to-day -day basis so the more we build building expertise the easier the it becomes to not only get better on those tools but to build those relationships back up among the staffs and between the, the people and the devices and the programs that we're having them use. What are you finding, Danielle, as far as um, the Brightspace adoption? And is, is the plan that you have at the elementary level similar to the one that David was referring to? Yeah, um, it is, but I would like to back up a little bit because we did do some different things in elementary. So. Um, as a whole in the district, we are continuing our commitment to that meaningful tech integration that we always talk about. We're continuing to focus on the ISTE standards because we know that those are going to empower our kids to actually be able to thrive in a world that's changing every day. So that's still top of our district goals for ed tech. How we've done that in elementary, we added some tools to our classrooms that are going to make things easier. It's kind of a working smarter, not harder. It's gonna help teachers more easily embed tech into the great instruction that they were already doing. And it's gonna be all about using tech that makes a difference. So in addition to the Brightspace piece, we added Seesaw for K2. And Seesaw is pretty fab. It's a great way for littles to demonstrate and share their learning. Um, they get to draw, they get to record video, they can record pictures, they can then annotate on top of it, they can move things around the screen. Um, it's all very lower all friendly. So it gives them another way to show what they know and they can have some voice and choice there, which we know will help with those SD standards too. Seesaw is gonna be a great addition to the Brightspace that they are already using. They can link in that and have that powerful um, tool for assessing student work. And then we also added in some other new tech pieces. We gave the elementary classrooms a IPVO DoCam, which replaces their older document camera. So the DoCam has a USB connection, which means it works with Google Meet, so allows us more flexibility to um, increase instructional effectiveness if we happen to go virtual. They're eight megapixel autofocus, HD, like super, super clear picture up on the, the screen. And then there's a lot that they can do with the software with it too. So they can do stop motion, they can record videos. There's, um, it, again, increasing that flexibility for our teachers to add the tech into their great instruction that they're already doing. We also added in um, wireless keyboards and mice on top of an adjustable podium to the elementary classrooms. So now, 
yeah, currently right now, because of some other constraints we have in the elementary classrooms, their laptops have, in most of our buildings, their laptops have to stay in a certain place. But with this adjustable podium that can have your wireless mouse and your wireless keyboard on it, you can move around the classroom. You can sit down next to a student. You can move the podium up or down, whatever works for you. You can, from the back of the room, use your mouse and your keyboard to control your laptop that's up on the big screen. Again, it's giving teachers more flexibility to teach the way that they want to and use tech that really makes a difference. It's not just like we're throwing stuff at them. We're giving them things that will help make their jobs easier, which I think teachers really appreciate. Um, they've also learned the word dongle, which has been super fun. What is that little piece called? A called a dongle. So I, I know we started with elementary, so that's kind of uh, been a big focus of mine the last couple of weeks, but I think it's been exciting. Obviously, bumps and hiccups when you start with anything new, changes, a little scary at first, but when you go in and show teachers how easy it is that they can plug their dot cam right in and it's there, they can turn on the keyboard, turn on the mouse and move around the room. It's pretty exciting. Are you guys seeing, and it sounds like you you both are, and I'm guessing you see this too, Steffi, I'm, I'm hoping, is the, the, the level of anxiety, you know, slash panic that a teacher or somebody in, in the LMC would have when uh, confronted with new technologies or new systems in ed tech, there would be a, I'm not going to adopt this and, until you really, you know, walk me through it. It seems like there's less of that. And it seems like you guys have a much more considered plan going into it and you're getting less negative feedback in that adoption. Is that, would that be accurate? I would say so in general too, because um, if anything, we were, we were talking earlier about takeaways from last year, like people jumped in to lots of unknowns and just rolled with things so amazingly well. And so I'm seeing that same level of, we can jump in and do this. We can handle, let's try this new thing. Let's try it this way. Let's, let's readjust. And, you know, I think it just everybody realized like it's, like Danielle said, there's some bumps along the way, but jump in and do it. And everybody learned how resilient and, and amazing they all are, really. I'm seeing that at the high school and middle school level where there's still some, some trepidation uh, about getting the feet wet. But now that there's a little bit more communication, maybe a lot more communication about what the expectations really are, they're starting to turn to their colleagues and say, how do you do that? Um, or I'm meeting with them one-on-one -on -one in a Google Meet or stopping by a classroom. And it starts small. And then they'll, they'll come up with a question like, well, I saw my neighbor do this in the class. Can I do that too? And the answer is always yes. <laughs> of course. And so I think the more the community and each small community, each, each site, I think of as like their own community, the more we have kind of peer influence on taking those chances, taking those risks, trying those new things, um, the more likely it is that we'll get more and more people into that uh, practice, whether they're early adopters or late adopters. And we know people that exist throughout that continuum. But eventually we'll get everybody, hopefully. That's the, that's the goal. And can we just say the efficiency of 
what Google Meet has done for educational professionals, it is incredible. The time saved, we were not driving around the district as often as we used to. Everybody's used to throwing on a Google Meet and connecting across the district. It's, I think it's been incredible. And frankly, for me, I think it's easier uh, if a teacher has an issue with uh, an on-screen, how do I do this? And I can have them put their screen up and then I can talk them through it without having to be standing next to them and hovering over their shoulder and pointing to the screen. They're, you know, they're not there reading my body language, thinking that I'm frustrated when I'm not. There's a real, like Danielle called it, an efficiency to that that goes beyond just saving time of, of, of drive time, but even to like the efficiency of the practice itself of working people through their problems. Uh, I think for me, at least, is faster and easier when I can have that person working in their own space and I'm just sort of the, the voice coming from afar guiding them through. Hey, see that button? Click it. You're seeing them in action and coaching them. That's right. And just think about how far we've come. Uh, this, this is really cool. I'm, I'm kind of excited about this because we're, we're making the assumption now that they can adequately function in Google Meet. They're able to get into this piece of technology, use it in, in a way that is useful to them. We're just making that assumption now. You know, you think about how far up the scaffolding that is. Right. I can just ask somebody, well, would you share your screen with me? And the, the controls have changed. Uh, where they are in the screen and what they look like, those have changed. But I, I've yet to have somebody say, I don't know how to do that. When I say, can you share your screen? They might take them a second to find it, but I don't get, I don't know how to do that. I had a rookie mistake last night with that because I'm in the middle of a training and I went to play a video from my Google Meet and you know what I wasn't doing? Sharing I wasn't sharing tab. a Chrome tab. And I said, I pushed the play and I said, can you hear that? And again, just normal everyday uh -huh. educators on the Meet. And they said, no, you have to share a Chrome tab. And I was like, oh, <laughs> the student has become the teacher. <laughs> I've done that uh, a couple times this year with different things with like, um, even with Brightspace or other tools where uh, I've told my kids, hey, you know what? I'm back to school too. It's been a while since I've used this. Cut me a little slack uh, while I remember how I do my job. Because some of those things, it just gets down to the minutia. And when you're not using it every day or you're not using it regularly, some of that can get lost. So. Speaking of remembering, I have the worst memory when it comes to starting record when I'm running a Google Meet. And I will have a note on my computer, but people will pop in and I'll start saying hi and chit-chatting and then I'll get the meeting running and halfway through. I mean, ask any elementary LMP how many times I say, oh my gosh, I meant to record this. So I don't know how to fix that part, but those are the things I'm working on. What I would do is I would start recording as soon as you get on the Meet. Yeah, is the first thing that you do. And then as soon as somebody pops in, you let them know that you're recording. So that way, that way you're, you, you can always get rid of the extra. You can't, you can't get it back if you don't hit record. So when you're, when your mind is clear, that's when you, you start recording. Good tip. See, we're all learning and growing. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. I want to go back a little bit. I completely missed wired this year. How was Wired? What happened this year? Wired was pretty epic. We had George Kiros for our keynote and he was phenomenal. He did 
not only a keynote session for us, he did two in-depth workshops. So that was um, very well attended. And then throughout the week, we had some amazing Michigan education leaders present for us. Um, what, were, what were the sessions? What were some of the sessions? Well, Steffi and David did sessions, so you know that those were amazing. Th those are the best. I did one that was uh, organizational regarding Brightspace. So we had like that that practical nature of mine, just in terms of like, how would you organize your Brightspace if you're an early user? If the question of how do I even get started is the problem, I, I addressed a few different ways that you could think of to to just organize it and and picture it according to your purposes. Um, and then you can start fitting things into that organization. So sessions like mine, very practical. Other sessions I know were more motivational. The, the questions about engagement, sure, that's a practical question in, in education, but it's also, it moves beyond just the organization of stuff. I, I wonder if that's, to some extent, where we are headed as far as technology goes, is almost those, almost less practical you know, going back to the Google Meet kind of conversation that we had earlier, Google Meet's changing all the time. Their interface is changing all the time. And the fact that you're not having a ton of questions about where's this, where's that, tells me that people are troubleshooting on their own. They're feeling comfortable hitting the buttons and seeing what happens. That's great. So if you're not having to do as much practical work, what's next? Well, it's kind of being a hype person, you know, get excited about this, get excited about that. And obviously going through last year, a lot of it was just, hey, everybody, just it's going to be okay. You know, that was maybe the more important thing to talk about in Wired this year because of the situation that we were in and where our educators were going into this new year. I'm just going to let that hang for a little bit and see where we go. <laughs> You're going to let that dongle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Somebody had to say that, right? That was well played, by the way. We might have to save that for a, for a different pod because we are shockingly running long. <laughs> so any, any last words without going into a gigantic topic like ClassLink? You talked earlier about scaffolding. You talked about how we've scaffolded our people with Google Meet and what they're able to do now. I think it's amazing that knowing that school districts have limited funds knowing that in the past, a lot of technology purchases were drill and practice, low level kind of stuff. Looking at how we spent our tech funds this year, it's pretty cool. They're all things that are going to help teachers get to the next level in their instruction. Awesome. Uh, anything for you, David? Uh, you know, it's good to be back. How about that? Agreed. Agreed. And running I, I, around with too many things to do all at the same time. So that's part of it. But it is great to be back. Can I do another <laughs> song? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that, in fact, that's the lead into the tech tool of the week. I mean, the tech tool of the week has to be teachingbooks.net. <laughs> Steffi, can you talk about your big update? I'm so excited. Oh, about yay. It. Is this a good time? Yes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So, teaching books is a resource that I have had my eye on for a long time and I've been using what was available in the free version, but it is a way to connect readers and books and to explore books from all sorts of angles, looking at um, author introductions and uh, read-alikes. There's some really great information in teaching books for ad readers' advisory. So classroom teachers, if you have a kiddo who has 
loves, 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 you know, Dyer of a Wimpy Kid, and you'd like to move them into some other reading, um, it is a great resource for finding books for all levels. So it's pre-K to 12. There are complete book readings. Some of those are audio, some of those are video. The author introductions are amazing because most often those introductions are done by the author themselves. And so to see Jason Reynolds talk about his process and to talk about what made him want to be a writer, even though at 17 he still hadn't read a, a whole book. He was not a reader or a writer. And then he's become the amazing author that he is, influencing children's lit in so many ways. I love the feature that is a list analysis. So you can upload, you know, books that you have at home, books in your classroom library. We are doing sections of our library. So uploading big lists and it gives you an analysis looking at cultural experiences, genre, representation, basic stuff like publication year, like how current is our information. And our, um, our OPEC or our library software can do some of those analysis, but not in the same way that looks at um, the breakdown in different uh, experiences really. And we can be looking at our collections as a whole and how inclusive are we in terms of what we are offering. There's a feature that I find really, really handy that is thousands and thousands and thousands of authors pronouncing their own name so that you know how important it is to be accurate in when you say somebody's name and and value um, their name and do your best to say that that accurately. And I'm speaking as a person who has a a name that's spelled in a way that doesn't look like how it's pronounced. I'm not offended when people mispronounce it, but it is, um, it's invaluable when we're introducing a book to be able to pop in there and make sure that, yep, that's, that's the way that the author pronounces their name as well. I could play in teaching books like for hours because the wealth of information in terms of getting to know the stories and the people behind the stories and sharing, I, I just love hearing from authors about their motivations. Um, and there's so much there that we can set up so we can have shelf talkers, we can have, we can link to resources, I can share my lists that I make out easily, we can share them with families. So our subscription is, is all of our students, all of our staff. So Anyone can access the full resources, anyone can make lists, anyone can see lists that, that, that are in there, they can share out, they can print out QR codes for books that they have in their libraries that then become shelf talkers when they're scanned. We can do the same and share out to families. Uh, I'm just going to stop you really quick. Shelf talkers. What so, is, I, 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 yeah, so then you could... You, you said a couple, but I'm gonna, I got to stop yeah, you, on you that could use a, Yeah, so a QR code that would then open up to either an author doing an introduction or a video that would play that would tell you a little bit more, like a book trailer. Just ways to interact with your collection. Yeah. Would that be a student walking through the library, library or the LMC and there would be a QR code? Yep, they could do it that way. Okay. They can. We can share out those lists for um, students to use to kind of preview a bunch of books that they might want to pick for a choice book or a book, like a book group. There's lots of book guides, activities for classroom teachers, for library staff, for, for families too. It's just, there's complete book readings. You can get the whole book read or sometimes in video, you can search that way. So you can really put together um, 
collections. You can, if you're especially a lower L teacher and you do a lot of read alouds, if you um, wanted to keep track of what you've been reading and then do a periodic analysis to say, okay, you know, what perspectives am I sharing? What main characters do I have? Am I ha do I have characters who are, am I making sure not all my main characters who are engineers are boys? Are we making sure that we have a diverse representation of perspectives and topics and genres and reading measures and it's fabulous. And anybody who has wants to chat more will be sending lots more out about teaching books, but I'm a big fan. Oh, that ahead, sounds David. like something I'd like to play with. I think you would love it, David. I think I would too. Is that on I the cloud? I have so many author names that I'm not sure how they pronounce. It Sorry, is Larry. on class oh, link. Yep. If you add it, it, you go into the app library and just add teaching books and then it'll sign you on through class link. So now that we've done the tech tool of the week, in closing, follow us on Twitter at TCAPSloop. At Brostrom DA. At Technologist. At Steffi Light. All right. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, and the Google Play Store. Also Spotify, wherever else you get your ear candy. Thank you for listening and inspiring. That didn't sound right. Larry, edit that out and make me sound smart. That's called nonlinear editing, folks. I love it, Larry. Thank you. <laughs>